Ever wonder what motivates people to get plastic surgery? Did they regret it? What can we learn from the stories of plastic surgery patients? I'm Dr. Javad Sajan, and this is the Plastic Surgeon Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Plastic Surgeon Podcast, where we listen to real plastic surgery stories of triumph and pain from real patients and providers to further understand the motivations of why they would risk their life under the knife. I'm Dr. Javad Sajjan, and this is our first mini episode. Today, I'm excited to talk about a topic that really relates to questions we've been getting since we've launched the podcast. A lot of people have been asking me, so doc, why do you do transgender surgeries? What's all that about? How did you get into it? I wanted to share with you a little bit my background, why I got into it, what I do, and why do I keep doing it? So I was born in England. I grew up in East Africa. I am and was raised Muslim, fairly conservative family, but modern at the same time. The transgender community is a group of people I was never really exposed to. When I grew, I grew up in Milwaukee, my family immigrated there from Africa. And in Milwaukee, it was sort of isolated from a lot of the current day events you hear now about. When I was in Milwaukee, I did medical school there. Then I went to residency in Minnesota. And then I decided to come to Seattle to do my fellowship. The fellowship is what you do after residency, which is your specialization. They performed transgender surgeries. I was happy to learn it, but I thought it was something I was never going to do. It's because it was my plan to always go back to Milwaukee. So I was setting up my career to go back to Milwaukee during the end of my fellowship. And I had actually even gotten office space there. While I was doing that, things were getting set up in Milwaukee. I ended up finishing my fellowship. When I finished my fellowship, I decided to stay uh, in Seattle and work at a little medical spa where they did Botox and fillers and do some of that while Milwaukee was getting set up because I had to secure the space and I was getting bids from contractors and I was going to open my own little office there. I wanted to go back to Milwaukee because that's where my family was. So while Milwaukee was in the works, I stayed in Seattle. I was doing the Botox and fillers to make ends meet. And while I was doing that, I was gaining some popularity. A lot of patients were liking it. They were coming to me. They were asking me for more and more. So I was just doing it and it was growing and I was getting the contractors and everyone in Milwaukee to get that project teed up to build my own little office there. While I was in uh, Seattle, a few patients approached me to do their surgery. They had heard about me through my fellowship and different patient referrals. Now, I didn't have a surgery center or anything at that time, but the patients wanted surgery. I was still here, so I decided, let me see what I can do. One of the patients that approached me was a transgender patient. And this patient came to the medical spa, asked for a surgical consult. And I was a little bit surprised because I really wasn't trying to market or get any surgeries. I was just the Botox and filler guy temporarily at the medical spa while my office was getting set up in Milwaukee. So this patient came in. I didn't say no. I like people. I love meeting people and talking to them. So that patient scheduled a consultation with me. I saw them. And during the consultation, I was curious, why are you here to see me? So the patient told me I'm here to see you because I want transgender surgery. The patient told me I was assigned female at birth. I've transitioned to male and I want you to make me a male chest. The patient told me I have boobs. I don't want boobs. 
and it's restricting my life. And I was like, tell me how, you know, why you want more? Why do you want the surgery? And the patient, he, the gender, gender identity is male now, said, I want this because this chest tissue gives me dysphoria. I'm a chef. I own my own restaurant. I can't dress the way I want. And it's very uncomfortable. So I, w- I was like that, you know, happy to help you is what I told them. And, I, and then my next question to the patient was after I understood what they were looking for was why me? So the patient looks me in the eye and tells me my fortune teller chose you. And I almost chuckled when he said this. I was like, your fortune teller, you got to be serious, right? I asked him again. I said, no, come on. Why did you choose me? Tell me. Tell me. And he said, my fortune teller. And I, and I was like, okay, how did that work? How did your fortune teller know my name? Because I was like, well, you know, is this patient on the right wavelength? And he said, I printed the picture of every doctor who I had heard of who does this operation. I put them in front of the fortune teller. The fortune teller looked at it and picked your name and your picture. So I was like, okay, well, that sounds reasonable, I guess, sort of, you know, why not? I'll do it. So then um, I did the patient surgery, went amazing. And, you know, I was like, okay, I'm happy to do this one-off surgery, no big deal. I did the surgery, took two hours to do. I performed a double incision chest reconstruction with free nipple grafts. What that means is I removed a lot of the breast tissue. I liposculpted the chest to make a male chest. I removed the nipples and the areola and reattached them. Surgery went great. And I thought it was going to be a one-off surgery. Patient came for their first post-op. I took all the bandages off. Things looked amazing. And, and I was still new here. So I was, you know, I was spending a lot of time with my patients. I still do. But at that time, my schedule wasn't as busy, so I could spend more time. And I really enjoyed it. And I still enjoy talking to all my patients a lot. So I walked him out to the elevator. And right when we got to the elevator, he pushed the button. And then I was sort of standing there, going to walk away. And he said, doctor, I want to tell you something. And I was, I was like, okay, sure, go ahead. I thought maybe he was going to ask me about his bandage or his diet or something like that. He looked me straight in the eye. And there was a pause. And then he said... Thank you for giving me a new life. And the moment he said that, something changed for me. I realized that within a two-hour surgery, I had totally changed someone's life. I had made him feel much more comfortable the way he was. I had made him much more comfortable to live how he wants to live. And I had helped treat a disease that he had for a lifelong, that being gender dysphoria. And that was the moment I decided, you know what? I can change people's lives for the better with one operation consistently, safely, and it's something I'm amazing at. And I decided I'm going to do this operation. And after that, more patients started coming to me. But gender-confirming surgeries were still a good amount of what I did. Doing that procedure put my life in a different direction because many more people were coming to me for this operation because they heard of this first patient. It's out of direction for me to settle in Seattle. Had I not done that first operation, I don't think I would still be here. I think I would likely be in Milwaukee doing what everybody else does. I I ended up staying in Seattle because of that patient, his fortune teller, doing his surgery, and then my people just knowing of me and it growing and having a, you know, thank God, a snowball effect where more people wanted to come to me more and more. And the more I did the operation, the more I realized I could totally change someone's life for the better in a very dramatic way. 
And at that moment, I realized this is my future. And I ended up settling and being in Seattle. In, in performing surgeries for transgender people and really having that privilege, I've learned so many things, so many things about myself and so many things about others. One of the greatest things that I've learned about others is on average, patients will say or do a lot of things. I don't want to say anything, but I, I sort of want to be close to that to have surgery done. I never realized how significant some people want change in their life. And as I started creating more and more change, I realized some people would put themselves at jeopardy for that change. For example, just this morning, I had an amazing patient who was here for gender-confirming surgery. This amazing patient, blood pressure was in the high 170s. Before I canceled the surgery, I went to talk to my patient and I told them that I have to cancel your surgery. Your pressure is very high. And what the patient told me is, Doc, I'll sign anything. I don't care if I die. Just get it done. And I, I told him, you know, odds are we could do this and we can give you blood pressure medicine and probably squeak through this 80-20 rule. Probably be fine 80% of the time. But I can't take a risk of 20% of you dying. If your pressure isn't controlled after surgery like it's not now, you could develop a hematoma and you could die from that. You could have a stroke during surgery. You could have a heart attack during surgery. One of the greatest lessons that you learn about plastic surgery, the more you do it, is you have to learn when to say no. Oftentimes when you build up a stronger reputation and people know who you are and they come expecting something from you, they'll say yes to almost anything you're going to say. And you have to walk that boundary of giving them autonomy, giving them respect, while doing what's right. And sometimes doing what's right requires, and not always, but sometimes taking a more parental role and telling that patient, you know what, today's not the right day. This isn't safe. We can do this another day. We can do it better. We can do it safer. And we can do what's in your best interest. Sometimes in my field, and I see this a lot, especially when doctors are new, all they want to do is operate, operate, and operate. And they'll operate on anybody, and they'll say anything. And whenever you do this, you always end up getting in trouble because your heart's in the wrong spot. You're acting for the wrong reasons. Sometimes when you hear no, it's the right way to go. If you're thinking about having surgery and you see hesitation from your provider, that's a big sign that maybe you shouldn't do it. In medical school, residency, fellowship, when you're training, you're always taught problem X, treat with Y. Problem A, treat with B. Sometimes saying no is the right answer and taking care of that problem or not taking care of it. Sometimes saying no is the right answer and understanding that taking care of that problem another day, another time, or even not taking care of it is the right answer. Thanks for listening to the Plastic Surgeon Podcast. Tune in next week for my guest who has an amazing story from botch surgery in South America. She's a physician and she's going to share tremendous insight with us. Catch me on all social media at Real Doctor Seattle and watch my surgeries live on Snapchat. Bam what?